Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. So we're talking about the fourth most common cause of cancer here in this country. More importantly, the second leading cause of death from cancer here in this country. So when I think when I talk about colon cancer and more importantly, taking action against colon cancer, I think the title perfectly fits, especially when we talk about colon cancer awareness month, depending on when you're listening to this or watching uh, today's episode. But I have a few hopeful facts and discussions on colon cancer that I think once we kind of get, I guess, our minds around it will help you understand just why we think it's so important that it needs a whole month. And again, even though we're going to talk about it during this month, this is something this is a topic that I will touch on every single year. I will refresh every single year because that is how important it is. Uh, to not only to the communities I take care of, communities I serve, uh, but everyone who are in the earshot of hearing the words today. So let's give some numbers. And I love talking about the numbers because I think a lot of times when we talk about these diseases, a lot of times we kind of think like, okay, yeah, I've heard of that. I've seen people talk about it, but like, really, how big is it? So let's give some numbers. This year, 2023, 153,000 people will be diagnosed with colon cancer. I want you to think about that. 153,000 people will be diagnosed with colon cancer. Even worse, 52,000. This is rough estimates, but unfortunately, we've been kind of right every single year prior, so we're kind of good at this. 52,000 people will die from colon cancer in the year 2023. Again, when you're the second leading cause of death related to cancer, you know, those numbers kind of roll up. And even more important, especially for my young superhero audience who doesn't think anything's wrong with them, who goes with the flow, who doesn't see their doctor regularly, since the year 2007, the rate of colon cancer has increased by about 2% and those under the age of 50. So this disease is no longer a disease of the old people, which we used to think about. When, when I was a medical student, a lot of the focus was, hey, you know, at the age of 50 or 45, depending on who you are, we start screening. But more and more as the numbers come out, as the statistics come out, as society and the way we kind of process and do things changes, we're being very diligent to the point where now the age of 40 is when we start thinking, hey, you know what? You should be worried about colon cancer. Or more importantly, let's just say thinking about colon cancer. We're not going to say worry. We're not here to scare anyone. We should at least be thinking about colon cancer. And for the community that I typically serve, the African-American community, these are some numbers that I hope are eye-opening to you. It shouldn't be, especially if you listen or watch me. If you're African-American, you have the second highest incidence and mortality rate due to 
uh, colon cancer, you have a 20% higher incidence rate of colon cancer than other races. You have a 35% higher mortality rate, meaning that you are 35% more likely to die when you are diagnosed with colon cancer if you're African-American. And lots of different reasons behind that. The biggest being that we don't get tested enough. And when we do get tested, we get tested and get found that we have colon cancer at a much later stage. And again, this isn't something that's just exclusive colon cancer. I've talked about this on prostate cancer. This is just an issue we continue to have to deal with, especially in our community, as far as not being tested adequately. And when we do get tested, there's less options for us for treatment, either because we're refusing treatment or the options aren't available because it's being caught so late. So let's let's talk about under let's just Again, understanding what colon cancer is, because again, this is a buzzword that you're going to hear all month. You're going to see a lot of societies, a lot of people, uh, you know, wearing ribbons and everything, kind of focusing on colon cancer, because again, it is the hot topic of the month. But let's talk about it. So colon cancer, again, is just as it says, cancer of the colon, cancer of the rectum, the large intestine, especially essentially your significant GI system. Uh, colon cancer and colon cancer is one of those things where it's not fast in regards to like all right if 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 I find the precancerous lesions today it'll spread everywhere in you know less than six months no it's a little slower growing pace of cancer which is why it's so disheartening when I talk about the numbers I talk about because I understand that man if we could have just had the evaluation that we should have had at the time we should have had it maybe we catch this earlier. So I think that's important. So that's why when we talk about colon cancer and understanding that it's, yes, it is a cancer, but it's one of those ones where if we do a good enough job with the the prevention aspect of it, and we'll talk about that, we do a good enough job with the preventative aspects associated with colon cancer, guess what? We can get it to the point where we don't catch it late. Sorry to break your concentration. I know you're probably knee deep into today's episode, but do not forget, check out our Lunch and Learn community store, shop.drbarrypierre.com. Remember to use the code EMPOWER10 and make sure you are leaving us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. And that's our biggest issue. We are catching colon cancer way too late the point where it should not be the second leading cause of death in our country. It just shouldn't. When we think about all of the things that have to occur, especially from a time duration standpoint for colon cancer to get as bad as it is. And there's two types of colon cancers, predominantly adenocarcinomas, about 95% of colon cancers with the uh, squamous cancer uh, resulting to about 5%. But again, 95%, that's typically the one we focus on. The the 5% is usually more rarer, usually more deadlier because it is more rarer, but usually adenocarcinomas are the one we're always concerned about in regards to the types of cancers that are out there. Let's talk about some causes, some risk factors. And this is something that when I always approach the discussion of a disease, and I've talked about causes, risk factors. I love to split it up into things you can change versus things you can't really do nothing about. 
So let's focus on the things you can't do nothing about. This is a big one. You've heard it before. Age. We can't do nothing about our age, but we know that the older we get, the higher risk of developing colon cancer is. Now, again, remember my words earlier. That doesn't mean that you should think that, all right, I have to wait till I am quote unquote old to be worried about colon cancer. Because again, since 2007, the rate of colon cancer has just continued to increase in those under the age of 50. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit at the end of why I think that is. I, I got my, I got a couple of hypotheses that I think you should stick to the end for. Now, genetics is a big one. So family history follows right along the lines of things we can't do nothing about. You can't do nothing about your family history, but it's so important to understand your family history because if you know that you had relatives who got diagnosed with colon cancer at certain ages, guess what? That clues the healthcare professionals to say, hey, if your relative, your mom, your dad, your uncle was diagnosed with this type of cancer at the age of 42, guess what? We're gonna look at it in you in a much earlier age. Like we're not gonna wait till 42 to start checking for colon cancer if you already had family members who were diagnosed at that age. Because again, we wanna prevent it. We don't wanna treat it, we wanna prevent it. Despite what the popular belief may have you believe, healthcare wise, we actually would like to prevent these things instead of worry about treating them and all of the options that come with treating. We don't wanna to have to treat if we can prevent. So we have the age, we have the uh, genetics. Now race, race is a big one. I, I, I highlighted it. We know that because if you're African-American or Hispanic, you are a higher risk of not only getting colon cancer, but you're a higher risk of dying from colon cancer. So your race plays a significant factor. I remember when I was in medical school, the age of screening for colon cancer in the general public was 50 years old. Like that was the age, except if you were African-American. Because if you were African-American, they say, you know what? By the age of 45, you should start looking. You should start thinking about it. And the reason why they did that is because they saw, again, this population of people are not only developing it, much earlier, but they're developing it. And by the time we wait till they're 50, it's so advanced that they're dying from it. So age is a significant risk factor associated with the development of cancer. Race is a significant risk factor in the development of colon cancer. Genetics is a significant risk factor in development of colon cancer. Now let's talk about some things that you can't, really gender is in there as well too, right? Um, but let's talk about some things that you really can't, that you can do something about. The big ones that I always talk about, dietary habits. We're gonna talk, later we're gonna talk about some dietary uh, habits that may be adding to it. Not to say, and I wanna make sure y'all get this, I'm not saying when, when I talk about it towards the end, the foods that are good for you or the foods that are bad for you are ones that are definitely causing cancer. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there are risk factors associated with it. Hey, what's up everybody? It is yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre with another commercial break for the Lunch and Learn community members. If you've been asking, hey, you know what? What can I do to get more involved with the Lunch and Learn community? What can I do to get more involved with Dr. Barry? I got something for you. 
This year we have launched the Lunch to Learn Patreon community where you get access to a private Discord, access to live Q&As. Depending on the tier you select, you can even become a producer on the show and choose your next topic that you want to hear and even suggest guests. So I want you to do right now after listening to this episode, of course, is join me at drbarrypierre.com slash Patreon. Check out the different tiers and join me in our private Discord today. So when you have to balance out like, hey, all right, how do I reduce my risk for developing colon cancers and just cancers in general? We think about, all right, what are some dietary components that I may be able to add or subtract in my diet that helps me out? Um, smoking again, just if you're smoking and you're listening to this channel here, understand that like my goal is always to bankrupt all of the tobacco companies because nothing good come out of tobacco companies. It just is like nothing good come out of that. Alcohol use is the big one. Alcohol use is a big one as well, as far as risk factors associated with an increased risk of developing colon cancer. So excessive alcohol use and sedentary lifestyle. And I think that kind of goes along the lines with the dietary component. I think that goes along the lines with just everything else. If you have a sedentary lifestyle, it has been shown that there's an increased risk factor. Again, not to say that you can't be a, you know, an athlete or, you know, bodybuilder, stay in a gym and you can't develop colon cancer. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if you have a sedentary lifestyle, the risk factors are there. So let's talk about the symptoms. Let's talk about some symptoms that we know when you come to my office, especially when I used to do outpatient medicine, when you came to my office, these are the things I would ask. Hey, when's the last time you checked your poop? And it always gets a laugh out of all of my patients every time. But you would be surprised, again, if you're watching this or listening to this on the podcast, you'd be surprised when I ask someone, hey, when's the last time you checked your poop? How many people will go have a bowel movement and then flush the toilet? They never actually look at the bowel movement. And I know, yeah, it sounds disgusting and cringy. But if you never look to see what your bowel movement looks like when it's normal, how are you going to be able to tell when it's abnormal? Because from a physician healthcare perspective, one of the questions we're going to ask is, have you had any change in the character of your stool? Because we know that could be a very early sign for colon cancer. So again, if you're listening to this, you're watching this, and you can't remember the last time you checked your poop, Go ahead, check your poop. And again, I'm not telling you to check your poop every single time. You know, every now and then you just hit a glance back there and say, okay, that's what that looks like. And then keep it moving. Just so you have a mental picture of what it looks like when it is normal, because when it is abnormal, guess who's going to be the first person to recognize it or should be the first person to recognize it? And that is you. We know that colon cancer can uh, be associated with weight loss. We know colon cancer can be associated with abdominal pain and discomfort. We know that colon cancer can be associated with just changing bowel habits. So maybe you're a type that you go to the bathroom and have a bowel movement every two, three days. That's your normal. Now, all of a sudden, you're having lots of frequent diarrhea. So all of a sudden, like, wow, I'm going to go to the bathroom a lot more, um, you know, 
then often my my stool again that character isn't as formed and i'm losing some weight and i have an appetite changes so there's a lots of different constellation of signs and symptoms that you could be you know the first line to be aware of but again i think a lot of it starts with understanding all right how do i poop let me check my poop out i need to know in fact maybe i should change the title if you if you're <laughs> if you're if you're watching this or listening to this uh hit me in the comments if i should change the title make sure you check your poop right because I, I think that's how extremely important it is in this battle against colon cancer like that's really um you know the first and foremost now when we talk about these signs and symptoms you like you've made it to your doctor and now it's time for your doctor to check to see, hey, you know what? Now let's get to checking. We've got several different options for us. And there are some non-invasive options and there are some invasive options. And I'll, again, I'll kind of give the pros and cons of both. So we have our regular stool tests. This could be done in the comfort of your home. This could be done in your doctor's office, right? This is where, again, you just go, you, you check, you, they give you like a card, you smear some of your poop on there, you pack it up and you send it away, especially if you're doing it at home. And sometimes this could be a very early warning signal for changes to come. Because when we're checking for stools, things we're checking for is uh, is, is bleeding. Because I mean, because obviously we're not going to know if there's cancerous cells in there, but we'll know if you're bleeding. Because we know early signs and warning signs is for colon cancer is stool in the blood. And that's why I say when I talk about making sure you check your poop, because imagine if tomorrow after you, you listen to this video or wa listen to the podcast, watch the video and you check your poop and then all of a sudden you look back there and there's blood in the toilet. Something you never like, hold on, why is why is the, the, the stool? Why is my toilet bloody? That you got to be worried. That should be some concern. That's something you got to go like, oh, let me go get this checked out. I don't want I don't want to miss this. Right. So a lot of times when we're doing the stool card, we're checking for blood because that could be an early warning signal. Now. Full caveat. You can do those stool cards and have a negative stool card, meaning that, hey, I don't see traces of blood in there, but that does not mean you don't have colon cancer. So it's not, you know, the best test from a specificity standpoint. It's pretty sensitive. You got some blood in there, it's going to find it. But specific wise, eh, it's like, all right, I got blood, but that doesn't mean this blood from cancer it could be due to hemorrhoids, right? Could be due to, you know, I was just straining. I was, I'm pretty constipated. I strain a lot. Boom. I got some blood in my stool and it pops positive. And then all of a sudden, is this really colon cancer or not? So those are non-invasive, right? We have another one, which is fairly newer in the past you know, decade or so is now you have imaging studies, right? So you have, you can actually go and get a CAT scan of your colon to see if, there, if there's any growing polyps or masses there, which is good because it's non-invasive. But one of the things that is, I think it's a drawback is I think it's a couple. One, for you to do that stool study test, the diagnostic test, you gotta drink the prep. And for those who have gotten a colonoscopy or those who are afraid of the colonoscopy, one of their biggest issues is that the prep that it takes to clean out your colon, they hate it. 
And because they hate it, they don't want to go through it. But guess what? If you got to go through the prep just to do the diagnostic study, because guess what? If you don't do it, let's say, let's say you do it, but you kind of half-ass it, right? You don't really, you don't really go in, you don't really drink the full bottle and your stool isn't clean. Guess what's going to happen? We're going to say, hey, you know what? The stool sample, you know, the colon wasn't as clean as we want it to be. Recommend doing it again. <laughs> then you got to do it twice. And you always would rather do something like that one time. So you got to go through the full process of drinking all of the solution anyways. And then if they happen to find something that's abnormal, guess what? You got to go through that process of drinking it, drinking all the solution again, and then scheduling the colonoscopy, which is the invasive uh, procedure. This is the endoscopic procedure where they stick a tube with a camera uh, through your butt just to see the lining and the the anatomy of the the colon and you could do a flex sigmoidoscopy but like the gold standard is definitely colonoscopy so that's one of those things where again and yes you are sedated you're sedated but you're not out out because you have to be awake because a lot of times your doctors are asking you questions having you reposition and move over so you're you're fully with it but usually you have some type of amnesia uh, because of the the uh, medication that they give you from anesthesia standpoint. So it gives you a little what we call retrograde amnesia. So you don't kind of remember what happened during it, even though you were able to kind of follow directions. So so that those are our diagnostic tools. And I, I think it's good to understand and kind of give your patients those options, making sure they understand the pros and the cons of either or. That way they can make informed decisions upon themselves and not be you know stuck on like oh i don't have to go through colonoscopy especially because at certain ages we stop especially if you've had uh good colonoscopies in the past we don't do the colonoscopies because you know it comes with some risk as well it's a long tube right there's some risk factors uh, uh some dangers that can come with that long tube so it, it's not something that's completely benign so you have these pros and cons that you have to weigh out with your patient when you're thinking about, hey, you know what? I think I want to go through this modality versus that modality. And, and I talked about obviously getting uh, your regular checkups from a prevention standpoint. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, so from a prevention standpoint, this is our next section. Obviously, regular checkups, getting uh, you know your, 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 your family history, getting a good family history, making sure they understand and everyone understands, hey, so-and-so had colon cancer in this age. You should start checking it. You should start checking. You should start checking at an earlier age. There's some dietary things we should, we always think about. And these are some of the good things that I want to kind of mention. So these are the good foods. Again, when I say good foods, I'm not saying that these foods are the only thing you should be eating. I'm just saying that we have seen that certain risk factors in, associated with inflammatory properties and uh, oxidant-related damage uh, to uh, the colon has has a possible risk factor in developing cancer. So guess what foods we recommend? Foods that don't do that. Foods with good anti-inflammatory uh, properties, with good antioxidant properties, with, with good binding properties so stool waste uh, doesn't sit in your colon for a long period of time. Fruits and vegetables, grains, um, uh, nuts, 
right? And seeds, fish, right? These are like in our good side of foods that you should be eating and try to eat of in abundance, especially if your risk factors are there of concern. Now, the foods that are of concern, foods that you should, again, be, again, I don't want to say cold turkey, but foods you definitely should be weary of are red meats, processed meats because of what we talked about that there are some inflammatory processes associated with those types of foods. So guess what? We don't want inflammation, right? We, we, we talk about uh, the aspect of uh, the anti-inflammatory properties. So we don't want inflammation, which foods like red meats and processed meats uh, may result in. Sugary foods as well, sugary drinks, sodas of a like play a factor. And then alcohol, of course, <laughs> right plays another significant factor right so these are the foods that are in the bad quality that are in the with moderation category not to say that you can't have your red meats not to say that you can't have your sodas not to say that you can't have your alcohol but we do um think we should moderate how much we're getting especially if our risk factors are there because we've had unfortunately Plenty of people, again, when, when you're the second leading cause of cancer-related death in this country, you're going to know some people who've died from colon cancer. I think the biggest one, and I, we've talked about this here on the show, Chadwick Bozeman died from colon cancer. He wasn't even the age of 40. We had our Supreme Court Justice, uh, Ruth Ginsburg, die from colon cancer, right? So again, young, old, right? We've had several people die from colon cancer, cancer derived from the colon. So it's, it's definitely something that we can't take lightly. And even though as this, as this month goes by and it flies by and you don't have to worry about it and month of April and they're to talk about another disease, understand that this topic here, this disease here is not going away. And the likelihood that you in your lifetime are either going to be directly or indirectly affected from it is so high that we should, and more importantly, especially if you're listening to me, we will take action about it today. So again, I'm your truly Dr. Barry. Again, remember, 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 power yourself for better health. For those who want to follow the Patreon, link is in the bio. Make sure you join the Patreon uh, so we have some great private discussions in there. And you guys be blessed. And I'm going to see you guys next week. Thank you for getting to the end of the episode. I am yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre, favorite board certified internist. Like always, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. And more importantly, share this to at least two of the five of your friends and family members that you know that could be empowered with the words that you heard today. Again, so appreciative of all you guys' support. See you guys next week.